the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Wouldn't it be great to go to heaven and live forever? To start, you know, drinking water from the river of life and to eat from the tree of life and to be with Jesus and sing with angels and travel to stars and start having the fun of eternity with Christ. Day one right now, they were enamored with that. That is Pastor Michael Oxentanko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Don't forget the worship service is held every Saturday at 11 o'clock, but we would love to see you there. And we will have details on that as we continue on with today's program. You can also watch the broadcast live, streaming at reachinghearts.org slash video every Saturday at 11. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. The justice that justifies is today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentango. We hope that you enjoy it. We'll bring you the first portion of this broadcast today and catch up with the second portion next time we get together. Here's Pastor Mike. Let's pray. Dear Father, what a privilege to be here today. To be found in Christ without a righteousness of our own, which is rags, but one which is pure, that is just and merciful, perfect as a gift. A gift that is more than just an external gift, but something that makes a difference for the rest of our lives. Lord, give us Jesus in his name. Amen. We live in a world today that's clamoring for justice. Can you feel it in our culture? Can you feel it around us? People want justice. Sometimes we think we need justice when what we really need is mercy, to be merciful. We say, oh, give me justice, give me justice, when really we need mercy and to give mercy. Yesterday was October 22, 2021. It was 177 years to the day after the great disappointment of 1844. How many of you know that? I mean, I count them because October 22, 1844, one of the most important events in salvation history. The Great Disappointment of 1844 is a prophetic event predicted in the book of Daniel, predicted in the book of Revelation, Daniel 12 and Revelation 10. And we are a people of prophecy because of these prophecies in those two books. In fact, we've been told that the pillar of our movement resides around the year 1844. That our raison d'etre, our reason for existence, is rooted in the fulfillment of the longest time prophecy in the Bible and the rise of the movement that would proclaim the third angel's message at the end of time. The longest time prophecy in the Bible is 2,300 day for years. A prophecy that extends over two millennia, that reaches from the ancient times of the great empire of Persia all the way to what the Bible called the time of the end in the year 1844. In the 1800s, most people in the English-speaking world relied on the King James Version for their understanding of a very important verse, Daniel 8.14. 
In the providence of God, that translation influenced the understanding that would lead to the great disappointment of 1844, Daniel 8:14. And he said to me, that's Daniel, he, the voice, said to me, unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Most Christians at that time believed that the sanctuary was the earth down here and that somehow the earth would be cleansed at the second coming of Christ when Christ would appear in fire and glory to cleanse the planet. William Miller was the first man to connect correctly this 2300 day for year prophecy with the 70 week prophecy of Daniel 9:24 to 27. The 70 week prophecy is a 490 year prophecy. So we have two sets of time prophecies in Daniel 8 and 9. We have a short one, the 70 weeks, 490 years. We have the long one, the 2300 years. One points to the coming of Christ as our Savior on the cross. The other points to Christ coming to his Father in heaven to establish the final kingdom of God in the pre-advent investigative judgment. The long prophecy of 2,300 years in Daniel 8 is the chadzon vision. That's a Hebrew word for vision, chadzon. And in Daniel 8, it reaches, as I said, to the time of the end. The 70 weeks or 490-year prophecy in Daniel 9, 24 to 27 has a different name. It is called the mare vision of the mighty man. The word mare means vision or appearance. So we have two visions, chadzon and mare. The chadzon is the long one. The mare is the short one. The mare is part of the long one. So the 70 weeks, the 490-year prophecy, is part of that longer vision, is the critical vision that establishes the timeline whereby we can understand the fulfillment of the longer vision. In Daniel 8, the Mare vision is the first part of the full 2,300-year Chadzon vision that reaches to the time of the end. Thus, the 490-year prophecy points to the first coming of Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you are grateful that Jesus came? Now, repeat after me. That's the Mare. Mare means appearance. It means the vision of his appearance. Isaiah said he had no former Mare that we should desire him. His Mare was marred beyond human semblance. The Greek word is phaneros or phanerao, the equivalent. And the New Testament uses it time and time again to describe the appearance of the Son of God. He appeared to take away sins. He appeared to manifest his glory. He appeared at the end of the times, according to Hebrews 9. Peter says the same in 1 Peter 1. Christ appeared because of the great time prophecy of the 70 weeks of Daniel 9. William Millers and others got that part right. They understood the 70 weeks. Sir Isaac Newton, one of the greatest scientists to ever live, in fact, the father of modern science, the great monotheist who gave us the principles of empirical science, he said that 70-week prophecy of Daniel 9 is so profound that there is no reason for a skeptic to exist in the world because it is brilliant evidence that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. It nails his death on the cross to the year 490 years. They're about in advance. So if you think you're in poor intellectual company because you believe the prophecies, you are not. The smartest and greatest and most pious men in history who studied the Bible understood that prophecy. William Miller did too. He got that right, as many people did at that time. But William Miller did not understand that this 2300 day-for-year time prophecy points to the establishment of the kingdom of God in heaven at the time of the end. He was looking for an earthly event. He did not understand that it is pointing to something magnificent in heaven. 
William Miller got the second part wrong. He thought, along with thousands of others at that time, that the sanctuary of the earth would be cleansed at the end of the 2300-year prophecy. And Jesus would come. Now, if you knew Jesus was coming somewhere around the 1840s, they first thought it was the spring of 1843. They didn't reckon the fact there's no year zero. And then they zeroed in on more profoundly on 1844. And then the autumn, he kind of developed. But if you knew Christ was coming around that time, and you knew the world was coming to an end, and you were right with God, how many of you would be happy? Wouldn't it be great to go to heaven and live forever? To start you know, drinking water from the river of life and to eat from the tree of life and to be with Jesus and sing with angels and travel to stars and start having the fun of eternity with Christ day one right now? They were enamored with that. Had William Miller read the parables of Jesus, he would have understood things much better. I have found that Jesus Christ is able to make something very clear in a single verse that theologians will argue about, that Bible scholars will pontificate about. But Jesus makes it clear in the simplest terms. In Daniel 8, 14, the King James Version reads that the sanctuary would be cleansed at the end of the 2,300 years. That did indeed run all the way to the year 1844. It's funny, we're living in a time, I'll be frank with you, we're living in a time when so-called Bible scholars, many in our own midst, will attack this teaching as if there's something wrong with it. Now, dear heart, there's nothing wrong with it. There's something wrong with them. Because they are manifesting a deep ignorance of the books of Daniel Revelation and a lack of spiritual insight built upon the great prophetic students of history. We are standing on the soldiers of great men and women of God when we proclaim the truth of the 2,300 years, the investigative judgment, all that's wrapped around it. Now, the Revised Standard Version doesn't say the sanctuary will be cleansed like the King James Version does. It says the sanctuary will be restored to its rightful state. I use the Revised Standard as my primary study Bible. The New American Standard Version, probably a little more accurate, says the sanctuary will be properly restored. The New National Version says the sanctuary will be reconsecrated. Now, I have a good friend who has demonstrated that the word that's used in Hebrew encompasses all of those. Cleansed. Restored, properly restored, reconsecrated. The Hebrew word in Daniel 8.14 is zedek. And why don't you say it with me? Zedek. My Hebrew pronunciation was never stellar. Zedek, you know, for the T-S sound. But I always kind of blur it down to the Z because my audio recognition was a little off. My Hebrew professor at the seminary used to give me a hard time about how I pronounced Hebrew, but she gave me A's because I earned the grade. So people sometimes correct me for the sounds. It's because my auditory perception is not quite there. Tzedek, technically. Tzedek, it's present in the nifl form of the Hebrew, which is a reflexive, passive form of the Hebrew. And in that form, it means all of those things. But my good friend probably did not go to the heart of the word as it was understood by the ancient Jews. The ancient Jews understood this word that is translated cleansed. It has a deep, profound meaning in the context of the expectation for the Messiah. They understood that the verb tzedek comes from the word for righteousness. And that it is the second root word for the word melchizedek. Tzedek, you hear it in there. Melchizedek, which means king of righteousness. And when studied, they took the book of Daniel. 
in the first century, second century A.D., up coming to the time of Christ. And based on Daniel 8 and 9, they were looking for the new Melchizedek who would bring in everlasting righteousness, the king that would match the verb, the king who would rule, who would finally receive the kingdom of God. And based on the shorter part of the 2300-day-for-year-prophecy, the 70 weeks, the mare, the vision of the appearance of the man, they were looking for the new Melchizedek who would come and bring in that righteousness that we all need. The end of the mare, they were expecting the appearance of Melchizedek. Now, they didn't understand that the Messiah would come twice back then. They thought he would come once. He'd come, defeat the Romans, he's here, it's over. In Daniel 8 9, the Mare vision, which is the 70 weeks, is cut off of the first part of the longer Chodzon vision that is 2,300 years long. Now that's another way of saying that the 70-week, 490-year prophecy of Daniel 9, 24 to 27, that points to the first coming of the Messiah, the mighty man of Daniel 8, 15, who suddenly appears as soon as the 2,300 years is spoken, the new Melchizedek, who will bring in everlasting righteousness in Daniel 9, 24, and usher in the kingdom of God, which Daniel 8, 14 is really getting about. This shorter time prophecy of the 70 weeks is cut off. It's the first part of that long time prophecy that reaches at the time of the end. Now, William Miller made that connection. We have been told in the book Great Controversy, the angel Gabriel visited William Miller and impressed this insight upon him. It was no accident that it came in the 1800s. It is not born out of simple Bible study alone, but the great God of heaven intervened so the book of Daniel will be unsealed at the time of the end. Turn with me to Daniel 9.23. At the beginning of your supplications, a word went forth, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Now, the Hebrew word for vision is mare. Understand the mare, the vision of the mighty man, the new Melchizedek. Understand the vision of the one who is to come and save the world. Now here the Hebrew word davar, translated word in my translation, means decree. In its context it means decree. It is the word for the decree that brings us the Messiah. The word of God is the decree of God that brings us Jesus. So two things are in consideration here. The mare of the mighty man, the promise of the new Melchizedek, the Messiah, and also the word that will bring us the Messiah and will restore Jerusalem. The word for vision is mare, as I said, pointing to the mighty man of Daniel 8.15. Now, Daniel 8.15, as soon as you have the 23-year prophecy, he says, Behold, standing before me was one like the appearance or mare of a mighty man. Kamare kagaver, like a mighty man. Verse 24, 70 weeks are decreed, literally cut off of that longer time prophecy concerning your people in your holy city. Now, 70 weeks would be 70 times 7, 490, day for year, 490 years. The first part of the 23-year prophecy is 490 years, cut off. What was that 490 years for? It says concerning your people and your holy city. It was for the people of Jerusalem. It was for the holy nation of Judea and Israel to finish the transgression. Now the Hebrew has the definite article, their transgression. To put an end to sin in the Hebrew, the sin, their sin, the sin that they have committed. And then it says to atone for iniquity. In the Hebrew, there is no definite article. Not just to atone for the iniquity, but all iniquity. So while he was saving the Jewish nation, Messiah Prince would show up and save the world. 
He would reach one hand from east to west and he would embrace the planet at the cross. He would atone for all iniquity. And then it says to bring in everlasting righteousness. Now that's the Melchizedek idea. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. The king of righteousness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision, that's the word for the Chadzon, the 2300-year vision, and prophet, the whole book of Daniel. You see, that first part of the 2300 days was not sealed. It was wide open because it had to be open. The early apostolic church understood the 70 weeks. They were in play with Bible prophecy. But once Christ comes, the whole book is locked up for the time of the end. Then it goes on to say, to anoint the most holy place, literally, Kodesh Kodeshim, only used in the Hebrew Bible for the most holy place. The old sanctuary, the holy city of Jerusalem, represents the old covenant, inferior to the new. The transition to heaven, the inauguration of the heavenly sanctuary by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is here prefigured in the 70 weeks of Daniel 9. Now in cave 11 of the Dead Sea Scrolls, two centuries before Christ, an ancient Jewish writer quoted this time prophecy looking for the Messiah. Most people don't realize it, but they were studying Bible prophecy. We know this from the Dead Sea Scrolls. They quoted Daniel 9. And they also quoted the book of Isaiah, how beautiful upon the feet are the ones who bring good news. And then it says, this is Messiah Prince, quoting Daniel 9. And then it says, he is the Melchizedek. He is the Melchizedek that will come. And then it calls him Elohim, God Almighty. He is God, Elohim. They were looking for Christ. They were looking for the new Melchizedek at the end of the 70 weeks of Daniel 9. In fact, they interact directly with the time prophecy in the Dead Sea Scrolls. In Cave 11, the Melchizedek document, they said he will come at the end of 10 jubilees. Now, a jubilee is every 50 years, but it's reckoned in cycles of 49. The 50th year is the first of the next 49. So 10 times 49. Do we have any people with your calculators out there? Get your calculators out. What is that? We just slide a zero there. 490. That's the 70 weeks. 490 years. 10 jubilees. Messiah shows up. Now don't tell me that Seventh-day Adventists are new in teaching this. This was taught by the ancient rabbis and some others, godly people, anticipating the coming of Christ. And so William Miller is not off on you know, some crazy tangent, as some smart theologian might try to pontificate. He got it right, as other great people had gotten it right, as the early Christians got it right in the New Testament. In the book of Hebrews, friends, Jesus is introduced as the new Melchizedek because Jesus is God's king of righteousness. That's what the word means. A direct fulfillment of Daniel 9.24, he will bring in everlasting righteousness. Now righteousness is another word for justice. Now, we live in a world today where so many people are clamoring for justice and they march for it in the streets. And I feel a need for justice. I don't feel bad about anyone who wants to see justice come. That's a noble thing. 
But very often they are clamoring for justice. They march for it in the streets. And many of them do it peacefully. But there are some who have done it on the Sabbath day in our own church. They think, well, if I go march on the seventh day Sabbath and honoring the Lord because I'm fighting for a good cause, and that's a lot of slippage in our culture. It's not a good thing. And some, not all, I'm not indicting honest, sincere people, but some, not all, incite revolution and violence for justice. They say, well, you know, we've been oppressed, so let's overthrow the government. Let's overthrow this local city. Let's put a barricade around it. Let's put a few bricks through the wall and the window and so on. And friend, whenever we are so enamored with the world that we forget that we have a heavenly calling, we don't get on our knees to ask for the justice of God in our life. See, sometimes when we seek justice, what we really need the most is mercy. You get justice on your knees when you pray and you humble your own heart before God and you realize that you're a sinner in need of grace, not somebody else out there that you can attack and point fingers at. Justice without Jesus, friend, is not God's justice at all because Jesus is the only justice of God good enough for the judgment day. It is a paradox that God's king of justice, Melchizedek, the new Melchizedek who is Jesus, think about it, he suffered For every injustice that every one of us or any of us have ever felt in our lives. Have you ever felt injustice in your life? You ever felt it? Does it hurt? Come on. Say it. Does it hurt? It hurts. I have felt injustice. I've lost my job in the past as a pastor for falling through with church policy. It's a hard thing to carry. And you know, for about 10 years, it was a hard thing to where I had to struggle with real bitterness. Bitterness can take you down and end your Christian experience. It can end your Christian experience. The Lord has helped me to face injustice. To face injustice. In fact, I preached a sermon at a former church that I had. I was a senior pastor of. On racial unity in the church. I preached specifically on the history of racism in our own denomination. What happened in this area, especially at Washington Adventist Hospital, where a dear African-American lady was put on a wheelchair and cart outside, and she died outside the door. Or where, in the early 60s, we didn't allow African-Americans to eat in our cafeteria at our world headquarters. That's a fact of history. I'm not inventing it. See, it's one thing to proclaim the second angel's message, which says, Babylon has fallen, has fallen. But Babylon is the heart of racism. Babylon gave rise to racism, the division of the nations. And so I believe that in love, we can, as Christian men of God, proclaim the truth without belittling the church we love. Is that fair enough? God calls us to be change agents, not browbeaters. Big difference. But I'll tell you, a good man or woman of God won't take 20, 30 years to do the right thing. A good man or woman of God will decisively, will be zealous to repent on behalf of God's people. I want to go home. I believe this church is a prophetic people. Raised up by God on the wings of Bible prophecy. And such behavior is incompatible with the Adventist church. Now those days are old days. They're not today. Great strides have been made. Elder Milos Martin, who's one of the founders of Reaching Hearts International, was the single most important figure in the desegregation of our church in the 60s. He was a reporter for the Chicago Tribune. I helped to preach his funeral. The smartest man I've ever known. In fact, I tell people he's the only man that I know who had the spiritual gift of politics. He knew how to use the power of the pen, the power of influence, working the Chicago Tribune to shame up a few folk to get them to do the right thing when they should do it for the right reasons. 
Friends, you get justice on your knees when you pray. I've seen Brother Miles praying. He had a heart attack right outside our door. My son Donald would chase him around the house, you know, acting like he was Alexander the Great because Miles was also a great student of Shakespeare and the Homer and the Iliad, the great works of Greek literature. And my son was chasing him around the house with his plastic sword like Alexander the Great, Uncle Miles. He says, die, yucky man, die, yucky man. That's what my son was saying. And Miles was laughing about it all along and so on. So he would come to our house very often. He would stay the night there. And one night, I heard a whimper outside the door, Pastor Mike. And Milas had been stricken with a heart attack. And God used us to save his life that day. And he was airlifted to Washington Adventist Hospital where they have this fabulous intervention for a heart attack. And he was given the bypass and everything. And God gave us many more years of this wonderful man of God. Friends, justice without Jesus is not God's justice because Jesus is the only justice of God good enough for the judgment day. Brother Milas taught me what went through the mind and heart of people in the early civil rights movement. When they mixed the profound calling of the Christian faith with the call to put racism behind in this country, it was not a movement of anger, it was a movement of love. Love changes the world. It is a paradox that God's king of justice, the new Melchizedek, who is Jesus, suffered every injustice for every person in the history of the world to the end of time. Friend, if you want justice, you can't find it in this world unless you have Jesus in your life. All societies based on the rule of law that have formed civilizations with any kind of stability to them have agreed that justice is giving people what they deserve without favor impartially. Thus, justice is fair. You don't just give it because someone's crying for it. In the modern social movements of our time, especially the liberation theology movements of inner America that spread to this country, born out of Marxism. That will conclude the first portion of Pastor Mike's message entitled, The Justice That Justifies. We'll conclude this message the next time we get together. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.